Monday, April 10th. This is episode 46 of the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast. Ken Bellinger, senior trader. Welcome. Good morning, Danny. Todd Voigt, chief investment strategist. Good morning to you. Good morning. I think I'm going to start off with upcoming economic data. I like to be forward looking in the SWAT podcast. So we got CPI is the big, big one this week, expected to be 5.1% come down from where we were even two years ago. You know, the peak was back in June of 22, but we're at a point where we got inflation coming down to where we were June of 21. Yeah, we also have wholesale inventories, which we'd expect to see further declines kind of as you know, demand uh, reduction continues to be the, the trend overall. Um, and with that, we also have retail sales, which is expected to be down about 0.4% month over month. That's coming Friday. We've also got PPI, which is expected to be only 3% year over year and flat month over month. It was the same phenomena that happened with CPI. They were closely correlated, and then they both peaked in in June of 22 and have since then been coming down. Yeah. We also have Michigan sentiment, which is expected at about 61.9. And I'll throw in GDP at the end of April. I mean, it's a little further ahead, but it's a first look at first quarter GDP is the end of April. Uh, so it's in, in the Atlanta Fed now has it at about one and a half percent growth rate, uh, but it's come down from the three that was earlier in the quarter. So April 30th or so is about the first look at Q1 of 23. The last point I bring up here is the small business optimism um, index, which is usually not considered a, a major, major indicator, but that's expected to drop to about 89.3. Our average level on that is normally about a 98. And we're at levels last seen in, you know, right in the heart of the pandemic in 2020 and then December 2012. And the interesting thing on that is obviously as a news item, that sounds terrible. But if you are to use those two dates from like December of 2012 through December of 2013, the Russell 3000, which is you know, what we tend to look at for, for the small business uh, performance. Um, or you know, our smaller market cap companies was up 33.5% in that time frame. And then looking at the pandemic, one year out from February of 20, which is when that, that data point kind of bottomed um, to 21, you're up 50%. So this is, again, one of those situations where you know, perhaps bad news provides opportunity as an investor. Yeah, and you just said the key word opportunity, and we're going to touch on that a little bit more when we get to opportunities. But the other uh, thing that's happening this week is earnings season's kicking off. And it's important to look at expected versus actual and that difference is what drives markets in the short term the other part of that is you know the banking sector and their earnings calls are not typically that exciting but this should be an interesting time yeah absolutely you know, we've got jp morgan wells fargo pnc city all reporting friday this week delta airlines is kind of the most notable industrial um they they kick things off on thursday but um yeah financial friday seemingly uh this week and then we really kick into gear next week with earnings we're going to hit on some of this when we get into the strengths and and weaknesses and so forth but jobless claims have been coming in worse than expected we talked about this happening the other two things I want to mention is the graphs that we put out back in June and July of last year kind of sketched out the future in these investment policy meetings that we have. And and it ties into our investment strategy and so forth. And it's it's actually turning out pretty close to what was anticipated. Uh, clients have that one of those graphs in their July newsletter, but the other one sketched out the growth in the economy and, and the deterioration at some point heading into this year. Uh, as a result of those rate hikes. Speaking of which, Fed's signaling no cuts, but the market is pricing in cuts. We expect the final Fed rate hike to be in May. Market again expects cuts down the road. Uh, Fed is resisting that. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. 
from an annex perspective, you know, the one thing I would point out um, you know, is that we are underweight financials, and we were you know kind of prior to the to the banking crisis. Yeah, you know, going forward. Right. Not that we had no exposure, but we are you know, strategically underexposed to that space. You know, that's an important point. You don't exclude sectors. You cannot like them, therefore you underweight them. But to exclude is to omit, and then you get into a sector concentration type portfolio, which you know runs into its own problems. So we've tended to underweight financials. Why don't you roll right into strengths and we'll get SWAT going? You know, one big strength we're seeing is in you know, what we call, I guess, quality long duration. So think you know, your investment grade companies' debt, as well as improved balance sheet for banks. Um, ironically, the banking crisis sort of drove this in that investors fleeing to treasuries have really suppressed yields and brought those down, which improves the book value of all those bonds and holdings on the bank's balance sheet. So although you know, I wouldn't necessarily you know put a mission accomplished flag up here, it'll certainly be helpful. And I think, again, as we head into earnings season, especially the financials this week, it'll be pretty telling to see where we close the month because there is a dramatic run up in yields leading into that crisis and a very sharp decline. So, right. So, if I can clarify, so that the improved balance sheet that you're talking about is because the source of the problem in the banking crisis was not credit issues, it was the balance sheet issues and the pricing and valuation of these bonds, which looked pretty bad on December 31st as a result of the Fed rate hikes. But since December 31st, rates have come or yields have come down, appreciating those bonds, and that improved the bank's balance sheets. That's not being reported on, probably won't be reported on until we get into earnings season and post March 31st. March 31st numbers for the balance sheets are going to look better, but it's not likely to offset or be enough to offset the deposit outflow. So there's this this ongoing mismatch of assets and liabilities on the bank's balance sheet, but that part of it has certainly improved. One last strength that we'll mention here um, is the NASDAQ, you know, just an incredible run through the first quarter here, which is perhaps to say that we've moved past the worst in the market while the economy still has problems to come. But you know, one of the things I know we've hammered several times on this podcast is what historically you see is the market bottoming and then starting to improve and, and run about six to nine months before you actually see earnings trough. So perhaps we've entered that phenomenon here in Q1. Time will tell, and you know, this earnings season, I think, will be fairly telling going forward. That was one of those graphs and the things we talked about in the policy meetings is that, that obviously the market bottoms before the economy bottoms. The economy and earnings go together. Okay, that's part of the economy. That's actually the link between the economy and the markets. But but that the idea that if you could tell me where the bottom of the economy is going to be, then I could back up six, nine months and tell you where the bottom of the market's going to be. If we were to to retest a low here sometime soon, that low that's being retested is the one back in October, then you know that the worst of the economy is going to be in fall, let's say September, October. So backing up six, nine months. And and just as you said, you know, the market's going to confound people, but the market rallies as the economy's deteriorating. That's a great point. I'll just throw in kind of based off of that, you know, again, for investors, this is a do not panic moment, right? Because no one can fully predict the future, right? So you want to make sure you've still got your equity allocation and your, your you know, fixed income allocation, you know, in line with what your long-term goals are here. This isn't necessarily an op- you know, the moment to exit the equity market entirely, right? You want to keep some of that exposure as appropriate for your level of risk and your long-term goals. 
I'll move into weaknesses here. The first weakness I'd note is really the M2 money supply contraction. And looking back at monthly data since 1960, this is the first time we've actually seen a year-over-year decline in M2. So that kind of puts us in somewhat uncharted territory. And this is a lot to do with really just the tightening of the credit markets. Right. The tightening and then now combine that with the banking crisis and the tightening and, and lending standards. Yep. The next weakness here, really the valuation of larger tech names really looks extended here. Using the NASDAQ as a proxy, the forward PE is about 25 and a half as we sit, I guess, as of Thursday's close, which is decently above the historical median of 21.4. I guess the big question that we'll have to answer going forward is, is this justified? You have the largest names, which I think the top five holdings accounted for a, a significant portion of the return in the NASDAQ, Microsoft, Apple, Google. These top five holdings, which are in most large cap index funds, and pretty significant weights. They're just huge cash flow generators and have incredibly strong cash positions on the balance sheet. One potential positive of that going forward is in any market weakness going forward, these are companies that can tend to be fairly acquisitive in these types of markets, Yeah, which could help put a little bit of a floor in here and help those guys in terms of long-term growth. The last thing I'll mention here is the dollar continuing to weaken. As we seemingly are beginning to approach the end of our rate hikes, the rest of the world continues on this rate hiking path while we pause. Um, We could certainly see this continue. We're somewhat back towards normal dollar levels. The dollar index is at 102.2 right now. You know, the average is a little over 97. But, you know, a weakened dollar would be a positive for emerging markets and commodities, which is, you know, two areas we've discussed pretty heavily in the past couple uh, swap podcasts. Right. Well, why don't we move on to opportunities? So, Besides the usual seasonality in April, tends to be the strongest month for markets historically. The positioning of portfolios and the amount of cash on the sidelines means three things, really. You can sit in cash because cash is paying something now. Two, you're going to go through another period where the market digests weaker than expected earnings. And three, as rates are lowered, it provides fuel for a sustainable rally, meaning that as rates come down on the money markets, that you've got all the cash sitting on the sideline is going to find its way back into the equity markets. The interesting thing about that is because of this banking situation, it's woken up to the fact that cash was paying zero and that banks are having a hard time catching up to the rate hikes of the Fed. Money markets and treasuries and the market-oriented instruments, they rallied in the yields, and they went up fast with the, the increase in yields. So now the money flows from straight cash to money market funds is presenting a problem for the banks. It doesn't present a problem for the big brokerage firms necessarily because the, the, the cash that they were making so much money off of paying people zero on, the pretty close to zero on straight cash, is finding its way into the firm's own money market funds. What that means is that it just spells lower earnings down the road for these these big brokerage firms. But but the banks are the ones that are having a problem with the what's really disintermediation, similar to what we saw in the early 80s at the advent of the money market funds becoming popular with rates high. But you might not remember deposit rates at banks were fixed at 5%. But then you had money markets paying 13 and then everybody's moving out of the bank. So that cash on the sidelines will present an opportunity as, again, the market digests what I would expect. And I say I, you know, you know there's no I in team, but um, <laughs> I, I have my own opinions that as the market digests worse than expected earnings. It may not happen. I hope it doesn't. But um, 
but that's the fuel you're looking for what's the catalyst for the next market rally and that would be there if you're going to get that and we've been kind of talking about the opportunity in small caps small caps is where you want to be in this this early recovery in the market so you know the two or three go together uh, moving on to threats, credit crunch, major threat. So while we said it wasn't a credit issue, this banking crisis, it can certainly turn into one. And so credit crunches are, you know, I wouldn't say once in a generation, but, you know, we've had them in 1990, which is actually more similar to the banking issues we face today, 1990, not necessarily 2008. But we had a credit crunch 1990, 2008. They're rather infrequent, but they they happen, and that's the concern here because the banks are more concerned with strengthening their balance sheet. They're going to also be restrictive on lending. That's already starting to happen. Excess deposits, that was another concern. That's not the FDIC covered deposits that, that business owners have and so forth. They're typically less prone to leave the banks. However, in a banking crisis situation, they're leaving to go to bigger banks where business owners are opening up lines of credit and so forth. Third, you know, you got mobile banking and you got two thirds of consumers out there that are doing their banking online or on their mobile app and money moves fast. Fourth, the pour over effect from banks to real estate, all these banking crises, whether it was 1990, 2008, pours over to real estate. So restrictive lending ties right into the real estate sector. We're starting to see some reports out there of um, really Class A commercial real estate. And when I say commercial, I'm, I'll specifically reference the office space in, in REITs, you know, selling at really depressed valuations. We saw a deal this weekend where a, a Class A building out in California sold underneath what it was purchased for way back in 2013. So you're really starting to see the, those, those valuations take a hit. You know, and as a lot of these companies have, have debt come due, these properties are probably going to start hitting the market and you know, have some forced selling situations. Another threat, blockade of Taiwan. You heard some saber rattling over the weekend, China. Uh, you know, at some point, it's, they're, they're going to push that envelope a little further. Uh, that creates problems in the you know, tech sector and semiconductors. Negative guidance we mentioned going forward, not just in April, but July and September, that earnings come out worse than expected, or just the fact that actual earnings are declining is consistent with our thought that Find the bottom of the economy and back up six, nine months, you'll find the bottom of the market. Credit spreads are widening, so riskier debt is demanding a higher yield or, or requires a higher yield for investors to go into it. And consumer spending in revolving credit has hit a record high. It's actually come off last Thursday, Friday, I think there was a consumer credit report. Those are good to watch because that's the fuel for the economic engine. And while they're tapping their credit cards, it's just actually declined a little bit, which is actually a good thing. And then we've got the other threat is, you know, the divergence between the Fed and their pushback on the market thinking we're going to have rate cuts. Nice job, guys. Let's go around the room and hit our headlines. What's our headline strength? The market seeing sunnier days ahead, even if the economic indicators may not agree. Headline weakness. Equity valuation as we head into weaker than expected earnings. Headline opportunity. Next market bottom, time to buy. Headline threat. Credit crunch. Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast, episode 46. Ken Bellinger, senior trader, thank you. Thanks, Danny. And Todd Voigt, chief investment strategist, thank you. Thanks, Danny. 
Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management LLC nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.